Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest just completed, or I'm sorry, just competed. Well, I guess he completed as well. Uh, this year's Carry Optics Nationals. He's a USPSA Grandmaster, finished 25th overall, and was third military. So join me in welcoming to the show, Randall Tolls. Hey, how's it going, Randall? Great, great. You know, I drove home yesterday from the match, so feeling... Um, how long How long is your drive? Uh, so from North Carolina to there, it's about eight hours. You know, eight and a half yesterday with traffic, but not too bad. Right at my limit, eight hours is about as far as I'm willing to drive for a match, so... Okay. Flying. 12 is my cutoff. I'll do 12. Just because I prefer the convenience of carrying all my stuff with me and not dealing with airports. Oh, absolutely. And then the time, once you got to fly with guns and everything showing up early, you're really not oh, time. Yeah, it ends up being a 14-hour flight. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. If you would, go ahead and take a moment and introduce yourself. Yep. So, Randall Tolls, um, Carry Optics and Limited Optics Grandmaster now. So, um, started shooting USPSA a little over two years ago. I think April 2021 was my first match and uh, but been army for 10 years now so kind of have been into guns been into shooting but not really into performance shooting except for for the last few years hmm interesting okay because I have some a bunch of having been in the military I'll have a bunch of military questions for you okay. um, but that that's really interesting all right, so that, that gives us a lot of meat to delve into. 
Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I'm about to cough. Hold on. Ooh. I just uh, I just swallowed down the wrong pipe. So <clears throat> goodness. All right. So you're familiar with the format and all of the, well, I won't say all. Some people get stumped later on in the, in the conversation, but the hard questions are right up front with our icebreakers. So the first tough question of the day, favorite movie. Favorite movie. It's a tough one. Um, either the Star Wars trilogy, just because as a kid growing up, I was big into Star Wars. So really, like, I can't narrow it down to one. Um, any of the three originals. Um, okay, probably so five. The, yeah, the original probably trilogy. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. All right. So you've been in the military for 10 years. I know you've had to have read at least a, one book. What's your favorite <laughs> book? <laughs> uh, probably like the stereotype Gates of Fire. Um, okay. That's one of the only books I could really get through as an adult, um, even though it's kind of stereotypical be an army doing that but i feel uh i like stephen pressfield's books okay gates of fire <clears throat> all right i don't know if you're into the whole superhero genre if you are who is your favorite superhero if not who's your favorite historical figure uh i'll go superhero and captain america it's got to be boom you can't like you know, it. You can go any other one no decisive too all right, so your favorite gun and your favorite caliber, but they don't have to be linked together. It doesn't have to be 45 just because your favorite gun's a 1911, per se. Uh, see, this is a hard one. Right now, the Shadow <laughs> 2. The Shadow 2 and 9mm. That's kind of, that's my jam. I think that's so far my favorite all time. Okay, so have you had an opportunity to fire a wide array of weapons in the military? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been through, you know, some foreign weapons courses and then shot everything that the U.S. has. Also. So what was the funnest gun you've ever shot? Oh, the 240 by far. Uh, okay. All right. It's got to be the uh, 240. It's reliable. You know, it's accurate. It's just fun. Uh, yeah, it's got a pretty good cyclic rate of fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I spent <laughs> two years uh, as a, my time as a specialist was a 240 gunner and loved every moment oh. of it okay now how many uh how many people were assigned to assist you with that one two uh nine? just one yeah normally okay. you'd have like a if manning allows you're gonna have a three-man gun team but kind of the way the army is you just get a assistant gunner an a gunner yeah <laughs> all right so having been in in the army now for 10 years what is your favorite military experience um, that's, you that know, could be a duty assignment. That could be anything. Yeah. I've enjoyed the current job I have now. Um, but favorite experience has got to be, I mean, deploying overseas, you know, I did one deployment to Afghanistan and that's probably the memory that sticks out as being the most fun, most enjoyable time I've had. Did you spend a year there or how long were you in? Just just nine months. Yeah, back uh, okay. 2018 to 2019. Okay. Was there any spot in between, like during travel, that you stopped and stayed over? Or 
um, yeah, like as far as you know, leaving the states, going to Kuwait, staying there for a while, um, or you know, like a, a layover in Germany to Kuwait for a week, and then into country, and then the same on the way back. Did you get any time? Did you have any opportunity to go and see anything in Kuwait or Germany? Not really. No. Uh, hmm. Last year, I spent a week in Germany and got to kind of hang out. It was in the Ramstein area. So that was pretty fun to go out and kind of eat and experience a little culture there in Germany. But other than that, not really much. Okay. All right. So most of your time has been spent Conus. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's boring. You need to tell the army to send you more places. No, I don't <laughs> no. know. I'll, I'll visit overseas. I don't want to live there. I spent my first two years in the Marines in Okinawa. Oh, wow. So from there, we went to Korea three times. I went to the Philippines three times. So like JJ Rakaza and I are basically brothers now that I've been to Philippines three times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he knows that though. <laughs> but uh, so I enjoyed it. And then I did a Mediterranean deployment. So we hit, you know, Spain, France, Israel, Italy. So it was fun, though. I enjoyed oh, yeah. it. All right. So when did you first shoot a gun, Randall? So first shoot a gun is going to be 13 or 14, um, a 28-gauge shotgun. My dad had borrowed it um, to go uh, shoot some skeet and then took me out to shoot it. So that was probably the first gun I ever shot. How long? Was that gun as tall as you were? No, I was a little <laughs> bit taller then. Um, okay. But not, you know, it was it was definitely, it was like a kid's gun. You know, it was like a 28 gauge, like short, and, short length of uh, length of reach, like uh, a okay. shorter stock on it. I think it had a 20 inch barrel because it was kind of made for kids. Okay. So a shorter length of pull. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's pretty cool then. I didn't realize that. I thought maybe he just had a... He borrowed somebody's 28 gauge that would be like a 28, 30 inch gun. <laughs> Luckily, it was made for kids. His friend that he borrowed it from had one that was for his kids. So he let us use well, it. All right. That's cool. What Were you just shooting at clay pigeons? What were you shooting yeah, at? Yeah, you know, went to the range, shot clay pigeons, and that was really it for the first, you know, really the first couple of years of ever shooting. You know, once every couple of months, we might go do that. Um, but you know, as growing up, we never, never had guns in the house, never anything like that until, uh, got older. Okay. And how did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it off the start. You know, I was a, a gamer kid playing call of duty growing up. So it was like, Oh, even getting to go shoot skeet. That was fun. You know? Okay. Nice. Now what? Okay. So at 13 or 14, you shoot your first gun. You're, you're doing these games. At what point did you decide you were going to join the military? Was there anybody in your family? Had they joined the military? Uh, my grandfather retired Air Force. Um, so through him, we got to go down to Fort Hood to the recreation area and camp and kind of see the military. Once a year, we'd go down as a family trip. You know, everyone, my grandparents and, my, and the cousins and everyone. So it was kind of seeing the base, doing the tours of everything. Um, even driving through the training areas and seeing like or training events going on that you would see kind of was my first exposure to it. And really like after that, it was kind of that stuff's cool. Like play army. This is, I think this is kind of what I want to do with my life. 
so then at what point did you decide were you still in high school when you decided i'm oh, joining yes. the military yeah. okay. i think so even you before, in... I was probably middle school i, I was i was oh. about 90 percent, and then going into high school is 100 percent. so when did you enlist at 18 i waited till the fall after i graduated high school oh, okay i went into the delayed entry program 11 months early <laughs> Okay. As long as long as you could do it, that was as, so. I did it. I went into delayed entry program July before my senior year in high school. Yeah, and yeah. then two I, weeks after graduating, I was gone. Yeah, I wanted to do that. I think my parents my parents weren't so on board. I think they were uh, mm. hoping and praying I would change my mind and go to college. But <laughs> yeah, I, there was no way I could focus on college at that age. So when it was hard enough to just be making it through high school. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't the, the smarts. It was just the, the lack of wanting to focus. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. All right. So when you, when you went to the recruiter, what did you sign up for? Oh, infantry, hundred percent. There's no other really? job. Yeah. All right. I knew it. I mean, before I even walked in, I was probably the easiest sell they ever had because I just walked in, <laughs> told them I wanted to be infantry, and then, all right, here, take this test on the computer. We're going to send you to go get a physical next week and then, you know, sign you up. Did they have the big Barnum Bailey sign in the back? A sucker is born every minute. <laughs> I mean, I was the same way. I, yeah. So I went in the same thing. I'm, I'm going in military. So I'm with you. I'm sure when we both walked out, they're like, really? All right, quick. Don't let him change his mind. Right. Yeah. So where did you go to basic then? Uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. Or sorry, okay. Fort Moore, Georgia now. It's been renamed. but. Uh, okay, Fort Benning, Georgia. I like that. I was there. Um, how, how old are you, Randall? I'm 29. Yeah. I was there in February and March of 1988. <laughs> long before they ever considered changing the name. Oh yeah, long before I was born. I I was I was released from the mighty Angawa. You know what I'm talking about? No idea. That's that's that huge tower for Oh, um, okay, yeah, for for airborne. For okay. airborne. Yeah. Okay. I was on that and Oh no! See, I'm I'm a dirty leg. <laughs> never jumped. So. That's funny. I wasn't even in the army, and I went to airborne school. <laughs> All right. So, where did you go after basic then? Uh, after basic, I spent a year up at uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, kind of got a bum deal. Went to a unit that was shutting down. Really didn't mm. do anything for a year, and then they sent me to Fort Carson, Colorado which was really what I'd count as like my first real duty station, really kind of getting after it in the army. Man, those are like three completely different geographical locations too. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Southeast, hot, humid. Then you go to the Pacific Northwest where it's rainy, rainy, green. Yeah. Most lush green you'll ever see. And then you go to the mountains of Colorado. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now, was that a, a mountain warfare? Uh, uh, no, it, it was just a uh, 4th Infantry Division there. Um, nothing really. I mean, you're the, the mountain post, but 
you're really you're in a like a high plains desert is the training area so you're really not doing much anything in the mountains okay. you just get to look at them it's a beautiful view as you're kind of there plenty of things to do off duty that's good oh yeah love yeah. love the area it, it was a, a great five years to be there wow five years okay now we're so you're in north carolina now yes where are you stationed now? Uh, Fort Bragg in the Fayetteville area. They haven't changed that name yet? Oh, it's, I'm sorry, Fort, uh, Fort Liberty. Okay, Fort yep, Fort Bragg, Liberty. yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so still same MOS? Yep, still infantry. Um, yeah, I only have a few months left here. And then I'm actually moving back to Colorado. So, but just finishing up three years here. Back to Fourth Infantry. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, I'm do you guys? Of... Does it normally work like that, where you'll leave a unit, go to one, and then go back to one, the one before, or uh, not necessarily go back to it? You know, the Army kind of sticks you at a a three year rotation, four year rotation, where you're kind of hopping around, just moving all over kind of at the needs of the army, you, know, you get a little say, sometimes you can reenlist, sometimes you can try and preference it, but generally for the most part, you're, you're moving every three to four years. Right. That's why five years at Colorado the first time, that's pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got fortunate. I, I did two years and then reenlisted to stabilize for another three. So it kind of, mm. well, so you plan on staying in for 20 then, or I think so. Yeah. That's my plan right now. Well, you're at what? 10 you said yeah just past 10 so at, at the halfway point might as well yeah yeah that's a long time with another 10 i got out at nine and a half and i said that that was the deciding factor i'm either staying in or you know for 20 or i'm getting out there's no in between so now how i always i always think back when when i was in there was no way, like I was trying to train just to do triathlons when I was in the military. And I couldn't even get a training schedule down for that because we were going places and doing things in the military. Um, so I was unable to, I never did a triathlon. I was never, you know, I, would, I might be able to bike a little bit here, run a little bit there. We were always swimming, so that was never an issue. Um, but how did you fit competition shooting into your army schedule? Um, I mean, now for the most part, you know the the training schedule is pretty reliable for the most part. Um, you, know, you can't always guarantee I'll be home for dinner, but I'll at least know I'll, I'll be home um, for the most part. Like have a year year out schedule. Um, but with that, you know, dry firing every night is a, a given, you know, it's really not too much to, uh, get 15 minutes in before I go to work and then 15 when I get home, so it's pretty, pretty easy to get the, get the training in. So are you living on base or off base? Off base. Okay. That makes it easier for sure. Yeah. Okay. So how, or at what point in your army career did you even find competition shooting um so 20 2018 
I got married and then that was my excuse to get off base, right? So I got married, got to get a house off base, which meant I could have guns now. I'm getting out of the barracks. So um, brought my pistol up. You know, I, I had bought a pistol when I was 18, but never really did anything with it until I got married and had it and then started shooting more and more, you know, kind of got on the internet, looked, you know, so for the next couple of years, really didn't, didn't do much with it other than just go to the range and shoot 50 rounds, 100 rounds every couple of weeks. And then 20 in 2000, I'm trying to think, 2020, kind of COVID was kind of big. It was a lot of time that I had because, I mean, everyone was off work, even in the military. So I had nothing but time on my hands. So I started playing more with my guns and then looking at training and, and took a couple classes um, with some like some of the, the more tactical focused instructors. And then that kind of led me to kind of discover competition shooting. All right. Now, the uh, first off, what was the what was that pistol that you bought at eighteen? Uh, Glock nineteen. Still got okay. it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. And like you just spent time at Carry Optics National, so <laughs> if you drove, that means you probably left Wednesday. Yep. And no, I, I left you... Thursday. Oh, you I left drove. Thursday. Yeah, I woke up at 4 a.m. to drive. Okay, so did you... All right. So you took off Thursday, Friday, and I don't know if you took off today, yesterday. Took um, off, yeah, I drove back yesterday. So. Okay. So how are they... Uh, obviously, they're flexible enough that they... Do they know about this competition and they're trying to be nice to let you give you the time to go or what? Yeah. I mean, they're no, a little bit, you know, I just put it in leave for it a couple months ago and got that approved. So, uh, okay. you know, right. regardless of what it was for, I can just put in, you know, put in for six days of leave. Not really a big deal, especially with okay. the weekend. So. so it just kind of worked out that, there was no deployment or no big yeah, no, training scenarios going on. No major training, anything. So, and I'm kind of waiting to leave here. So I got, I'm in like a transition period, really no responsibilities right now. So it's easy for me to kind of, to take off a little bit to uh, go train and then go shoot the match. Okay. Mm. Now, do you, do you foresee that being similar in Colorado when you get back there? Uh, I, it depends on the organization. You know, it, it's every, everywhere in the military is different. You know, you, you move around commander to commander or installation to installation. You kind of have different priorities. Um, but but I've is been, there, I've is been there training where I'm at so, <laughs> Go ahead, Randall. Oh, I've been fortunate where I'm at now where I really haven't had a whole lot, a whole lot of training or responsibilities the last few months. So I've been getting after it. Um, but definitely going back to to Fourth Infantry Division would be a little bit more more intensive, I guess, or more more responsibilities, kind of not as much time off work. So, yeah, and that's what I was wondering the the training tempo. Yeah. Is it? Do you know if it's more? So is it more there? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I think it will be. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Was <clears throat> you kind of have a tendency to know what the training tempo is of other units so 
Yeah. And that's that's obviously going to dictate what you can or can't do, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So when you found the USPSA, um, did you have a goal to be GM or did you just want to get better? I just wanted to get better. You know, I had really no idea. I, I kind of looking into USPSA, you, you kind of start to understand what, you know, there's GMs, there's grandmasters, masters, A class, B class, whatever. Um, so you start to like, that was one of the first things I really saw was the classification system. Um, but really like shooting my first match, I, uh, it was Chris Tilly here in North Carolina. He puts on an indoor match up in Raleigh on Wednesday nights. Um, and he does it every Wednesday. So I drove up there and shot it. Um, I think it was March of 2021 or April of 2021. And like seeing him, it was like, oh, like I want to do that. Like he can do that with a pistol. Like I want to do that. Um, and little, little did I know he's like a national champion, you know, he's won, won several nationals and is one of the best in the world. Um, I was fortunate to be able to shoot with him for my first match ever. And he's shooting an expensive gun that doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, he is that, you know, in addition to his personal skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, when you started shooting competition initially, what did you think of it? in comparison to what you had done in the army for pistol training, if any? Oh, I mean, I've up until that point, I don't think I'd ever fired a pistol in the army, maybe once or twice. So really I had no frame of reference other than what I had done on my own outside of the army. Now, what is the, uh, do you by chance know what the army's pistol qualification course is? I do not. I'm asking. Um, the current one, as of the last time I shot it about like last, last summer I shot it. It's pretty, uh, I won't say it's a joke, but it's pretty easy. Okay. Is it bullseye oriented or? No, it, it's pop-up targets, okay. but you have the full size Ivan pop-up targets. I think the farthest one you shoot is okay. at 25 and any, anywhere on it and it falls. So you have okay. some pretty, oh. some yeah, some pretty easy exposures to, to shoot. So so it's similar to rifle, just closer distances. Yeah, just much, much closer. Okay. Hmm, very interesting. All right. Now, has the how much do you think your competition has helped your Army competencies? Uh, I mean, shooting, shooting. So it's 100% the proficiency is there um, at a at a moderately high level, I'd say for myself. But, you know, I mean, shooting a gun, shooting a gun. If, regardless if you're going to do it in competition or having to then carry that over to whether you're law enforcement or military, like the skills only help you there. Agree. Yeah, fundamentals are fundamentals. So it doesn't matter. Now... Like when you were at Carry Optics Nationals, uh, obviously you run into the guys from AMU, Jacob, John. Has there ever been any discussion about you going to back to Benning? I'd love to if they if they had a spot open. I know they're kind of limited. Um, on they're only allowed three shooters, so that's all that's in the in their um, allotment. That's all that's in the budget, so that's what they got, and that's kind of oh, it. Wow. So. Okay. I know. Uh, I was, um, I know that this is just, this is just conversation between us. You're not speaking on behalf of the army or anything else. Um, 
but I was talking, uh, I think it was to Mike Shadalov yesterday, and I was saying that when when I was in, I did, where are you at? Right there. Mm-hmm. So I did high power rifle. Yeah. That was in 90. And every competition that we went to, you had the Marine Corps truck with all of their equipment. You had the Army marksmanship truck there with all of their equipment. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool because AMU sends people to these national championships. It'd be pretty cool one day if they would send one of their armorers trucks to a nationals. I think it would be good advertising, but I mean, is that something that you, uh, you know, the army way better than I do and and everything going on. Um, Would you ever foresee the army even considering something like that? I'd and again, I know to, you're not speaking for them. So. Yeah, I'd love to see like the the army supported. I don't think the I don't think the support is there from the army for USPSA. At least not right now. Okay. So. Fair enough. Now, what are your? All right. So let me back up a little bit. We talked about training, and you mentioned you know dry firing in the morning or the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, has your schedule been conducive for you to be able to do live fire training on a regular basis or dry or significant training on a regular basis? Yeah. Um, so again, being fortunate, I'm, I'm about to leave where I'm at. So kind of, I've been doing half days, um, just to facilitate getting to the range to shoot. So, I mean, I've shot you know, the, the three weeks leading up to this, I was able to shoot about five days a week, which was pretty awesome. Now, are you, is that, which range are you going to for that? Oh, just, you know, my own personal, uh, the range complex, which is here just, just outside of Fayetteville, um, which is an awesome place to train, but that's just a civilian owned or a veteran owned and operated range here. So all on, all on my own dime, you know, not, not affiliated with the army at all. Right. And I think people who aren't in the military think that there are ranges on base you can go to and there aren't. So unless you're on a shooting team, you don't have ranges you can just go to, to shoot. No. Um, so that's why I was asking. So is that range, um, you said it's veteran owned and operated. Are they, um, competition shooting friendly in that you can draw from the holster. You can shoot while moving all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there are members only on, on weekdays. Um, and you know, they're, your, your stereotypical USPSA setup where they got, you know, like four or, or however many, they have like four bays, five bays, you know, a hundred yard, 50 yard. And you can do, as long as you're safe, you can do whatever you want. They got barrels, they got, um, target stands. You can move around, set up whatever you want. Nice. Okay. Uh, are this, uh, is this like open from like eight to eight or something or it's eight to six so eight to six okay so pretty good hours yeah pretty good hours and and weekdays there's not many people out there so you usually get a a whole bay to yourself to just get after it okay now did you at some i know you said you saw chris shoot and you're like i want to be like that i want to be like mike in this case i want to be like chris um did you set forth like a training plan to get there or how, how did you envision going from where you were to being Chris Tilly? Um, so, 
starting out shooting with him, I didn't, I never did it. It took a while. I didn't, I shot with him for a year before I ever did any formal classes with him. Um, but off the kind of off the start after like my third or fourth match, getting on Google and searching USPSA, I found Ben Steger's book. And then I read his book, Practical Shooting Training, and that kind of kind of gave me like a, a glide path or a training plan to follow to understand kind of how to how to improve and, and the times I need to be hitting to to make Grandmaster. Okay. Now, what did you initially classify as? Did a class initially. Okay. Yeah, and I was how shooting a, a standard P320 drawn out of a Safari Land holster. Um, <laughs> still able to pull off a class so I was, I was happy with that okay so how long did it take you to go from a class to g uh a little i think 14 months to make wow. gm um yeah i made master after about six and then took me another another about eight months to uh make gm and what did your training look like day to day in that 14 months at that time, I mean, dry fire twice a day, that's a given. Even now, I mean, even shooting live fire every day, I'm still dry firing twice a day. Um, but back then, I was only shooting about once a week. You know, I had to kind of choose if I was going to go do a live fire training for the week or go shoot a match on Saturday. It had to be mm. one or the other, so I had to kind of prioritize. I, I tried to do every other week. I'd shoot a match, and then the following week, do live fire training um, and just keep flipping back and forth. Okay. Now, when you say dry fire twice a day, how long are we talking each session? 15 to 20 minutes. Um, in the beginning, a lot more, uh, just cause I didn't know, I didn't really know better. I don't. And, uh, but now I stick to about 15 minutes. Okay. You said you didn't know better or I, that in my mind triggered the word structure. Is that what you're referencing? Not necessarily. Like I'm, I'm fairly free flow about picking, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do, I'm not going to sit here and do draws for 15 minutes straight, you know, but if I have issues with my draw, I might hammer it in for longer. Um, but for me, 15 minutes is about the max I can do fully concentrated and really getting after it, um, like pushing speed and everything and staying concentrated. After that, you start to just get lazy and you're not really not picking a spot on the target, not really pushing your hand speed off the draw. Um, just other issues start to come up. You're not really focusing on what you're doing. For me, so, at least personally. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's good because I know what you mean. I mean, I, I've had sessions where 10 minutes in, I'm like, this isn't working. And then, then yeah. other ones, I'm like, wow, it's been an hour already. Um, but so are you picking certain... Well, first off, my question was initially going to be, do you do anything to warm up beforehand? Just a few draws and that's it. Okay. I mean, really, that's the only time that I'm, I'm really doing like standalone draw, like dry fire, you know, like just sit there and draw to a five yard target. That's just, that's like my warm up basically. Okay. And then are you like when you do your, let's say you do your, you're doing your 15 minutes in the morning. Do you... Do you go into that like, uh, I think I'm going to work on this and this at this time? Or how do you, when you walk into that training, how do you know what you're going to do? Yep. I try to pick two, um, like I'll do like 50-50 between gun handling type work. So I might set up 
you know, those of you that are familiar with Ben Steger's stuff like Accelerator or any of his like standard skills and drills type stuff, um, set up that and that's about half of the session. And then the other half is going to be like stage type stuff. Run here, shoot this, run there, shoot that. Maybe okay. jam reload in the middle. <clears throat> okay. I got you. So are you doing something similar but different drills than in the evening? Usually similar. I, I keep try to keep them the same, you know, similar style, but a different, usually a different flavor. Unless I was just having a real bad time with it in the morning, then I'll hit the same drills again. Um, but usually I try to switch it up. Okay. Now, what point, so initially you're doing 90% dry fire. At what point did you decide, okay, I need to add more live fire to get better? Um, I think I always, like I always wanted to do more live fire. It was just, I didn't have the time then. And I've been kind of fortunate to have the time now, but there was really no, you know, off the beginning, I, I wanted to do live fire because you can do a lot in, in dry fire and you can get 90% of the way in, in live in dry fire. Um, but you need, you need the live fire to really reinforce it. Okay. So let me rephrase that. Because I, I agree, and I know, and I'm trying to get you to a certain point where in my question, yeah. um, at what point did you realize, okay, I have the time, I have this, but at what, at what point do you think you had to add dry fire? I mean, I'm sorry, you had to add live fire to your dry fire, like you'd almost plateaued with dry fire and you needed to add more live fire training. Do you, was there a certain point there? I don't think so. I don't think you can really, at least for me, I haven't plateaued. I mean, you look at what, like what Jay Beal does with the amount of dry fire that he did previously. I know this year he's kind of shot more live fire, um, but you can get pretty dang good just doing dry fire. He gets, uh, he does a lot of complex dry fire training. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, huge to start to get into now um and that's what i'm trying to push to do more of you know i'll do the complex oh, really? right now i'll do the complex stuff in live fire um because i have access to a swinger a bobber and everything but now you now the nationals is over it's kind of all right start to conserve ammo a little bit more and kind of kind of focus more in dry fire so then adding mm -hmm. in that complexity okay do you see yourself doing like what I mean, Jay and his brother are pretty, uh, pretty inventive. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself creating those complex scenarios in your own swingers and stuff like for dry oh, fire? Absolutely. I'd love to, like if I had the space to set up a swinger, I'd love to, but, um, like 100% right now, that's what I'm trying to do is start to look at how I can add the complexity into everything. Well, I haven't looked recently. I know that, um, I had bought one of the I have one of the little swingers that you can buy from like go fast, don't suck. So that's mm -hmm. good for tracking a moving target. But I know he was, I haven't checked in a while, but I know they were looking at a way to create an activator so you can activate the swinger, which is way more affordable and, and yeah. doable than some of the stuff that Jay creates. Yeah. Yeah. See, I have the double alpha swinger, which is similar. Okay. Um, and it's the same issue. The activator is the killer because it's a string you got to pull. It's not really, right? It's not really, um, oh, realistic to to try and dry fire it. All right. So here is 
Jay, if you're listening, you need you and your brother need to devise a stomp pad for the double alpha slash go fast don't suck swingers, so we can buy them. There we yeah. Go. All right. I expect to see that by August, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, you're looking to do more complex dry fire training. All right. Cool. Now, do you have? Um, obviously, you have another ten years to go in the army. Uh, do you have any plans of trying to win a national championship? Is that a, an ultimate goal for you? Winning? I don't know. That's kind of, it takes a lot. You know, there's, I feel like there's the top three or top four now that Jacob's in CO and then there's everyone else, you know, not, there's not other guys who could win and have the skill to win, but it seems like bridging into that, the, the pro shooter level is kind of, the, the level of skill they have is hard, but um, top 10, that's definitely where I want to be. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, and if you look, like just looking at, because I've been analyzing some things with Carry Optics Nationals, there is a 50-point difference between Nils, I'm sorry, Jacob and John Vlieger. Yeah. Between third and fourth, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those top three guys are it's almost impossible sometimes to to catch up with them. So I am only saying that to agree with you that the amount of time you would need to dedicate to close that gap is significant. And that's why I said you still have 10 years to go in the army. That might be difficult. Yeah. So for you, then what what would be um, acceptable over the next 10 years? What would make you happy in your competition career? Uh, what would make me happy is just making Super Squad. If I can get on Super Squad and then stay on it year after year, I think that's uh, that's the goal right now. Okay. Is that? I mean, there's always the whole Tanya Harding effect. You just club <laughs> a few of them in their knees. Yeah, that, you know, that, that might be what happened to JJ, you know, someone trying to take it out. <laughs> Right. Someone put something in his barrel. <laughs> Squibbed him up. Yeah. <laughs> that poor guy. He's got the worst nationals. I was talking yesterday when Mike Shadlov and I were talking, I had written down he had popper gate. Yeah. He shot the popper and it didn't fall. He got he bumped open at production nationals. Um, and now he's got the squib. It's like, man, this guy yeah. he has the worst luck at nationals. What was the safety one? Uh, we, when it, you got bumped to open for the safety. Yep. So crazy. And then I know there was an incident at IDPA Nationals where there was some controversy as to whether he should have been disqualified for yeah. some type of I think he draw said, or something. He said something or it, it was something weird. It was RO interpretation. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's, I mean, look, even Max was way down at at eighth or seventh. Yeah. Mason was eighth, which surprised me. So even those guys are are farther. It's hard. It's oh, yeah. really hard. Yeah, and this match. I mean, this match. I didn't talk to a single person that that was like, "Oh yeah, I I crushed the match." You know, everyone <laughs> was just. You ask them how the match went, and they just shook their head and they're like, "It was terrible." Everyone had a bad match. And that's one of the one of the things I had listed was so we're, we'll get into Carry Optics Nationals now, 
I wanted to ask you your experience. And then I had another little sub note that said, everyone seemed to have a bad day. Yeah. Everybody across the board. Um, Christian's bad day wasn't as bad as most. And Nils wasn't as bad as most. Christian was sixth after at the end of day one. So day one was his bad day. And then he just went crazy. Um, but why is it that everybody had a bad day, Randall? The weather, definitely. I think that that played a, a big part on Friday. Um, okay. Because, like, I shot – I didn't shoot the same schedule as Super Squad. Like, I shot AM, uh, but I shot the same zone. So the okay. zone that we shot there, it was like – they did those uh, those half IPSC targets. They were half hardcover, and then you bagged them because it was raining. So you're trying to shoot those. There were so many people that were getting crushed by those. Um, so was it was it just that the target wasn't clear? So they were hitting hardcover. You, you're 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 throwing one on the hardcover. Normally you you would mm. probably call the shot bad, right. but with a bag you can't call your shot. So you're you're trying to hold you know center of center of brown on those, and hopefully you take the two Charlie. And sometimes you might just push into it a little bit, leaving, and then you had a miss that you didn't call. And so that was kind of, that was one thing that, that I know I struggled with and a lot of people struggled with in zone one on Friday shooting in the rain. So what would you say was the farthest with the targets being covered in plastic? What was the farthest distance that was where the targets were still clear enough that you could call your shots? Five, five ish. Wow. Okay. If you, if you shot early, you know, if they put fresh targets up and fresh bags, it was a little bit easier. But as, as the day went on and you had targets that were, mm. you know, had 10 or 20 shooters already go through and the bags are all tore up, then there was, you know, you, some of the targets you were just praying when you walked up to them when they pulled the bag up that there was going to be two hits there. Wow. So what do you think of this? I know that. I know someone made a comment on Thursday that there were no waterproof targets. Um, there were. There they were. Movers. Okay. Did it help on the movers? I think so, yeah. Okay. So I've, see, I've been at matches where they've had the waterproof targets, and then they've mm-hmm. had like that little half cover yeah. thing that slides over top. Do you think that would have been um a big help i think it would have i mean at the end of the day you know it's competitive equity everyone's shooting in it everyone's shooting Mm -hmm. on bag targets so it's not you know no one's really getting getting an unfair advantage um but for everyone like i think that would be awesome i saw some videos from the extreme euro open this year that that's what they did they had the covers over the top of the targets um which i thought was pretty cool and i'd love to see that yeah, I, th- I think so too. And and again, just looking at it from, look, everybody has to shoot in the weather. Yeah. And, and I like, I love that the AM and the PM had to shoot in the weather, because yeah. that is obviously fair across the board. When I shot in tw- uh, at Frostproof in 2020, our second day we shot morning, afternoon, morning, and our second day was our first stage of the day was a 42 yard target. And we had had, I think it was, uh, yeah, 42 sounds right. 
it was so far out. They they literally had an RO and a golf cart that would go out and score it, and nobody went down there. They would just drive out, score it, and come back. But we were that was our first stage in the afternoon, and it had started downpouring about an hour before, so everything was wet. And when I say downpour, I mean like there were lakes already forming on the on the bays. So tr- I know exactly what you're saying. Trying yeah. to figure out, I'm like. Uh, it's just a blob out there, literally just a blob. And I'm like, uh, I think I had a Delta out the bottom actually. Um, but I mean, that's on me, not it, but yeah. So I I know what you mean, but I, I also think back to that time, a waterproof target with the top, at least I would have been able to see edges and actually been able to, you know, center my dot somewhere closer to the middle of the target. So that would be, uh, I would like for them to do that. So how was your carry optics experience overall? Started out a little rough. Day one, kind of uh, a bad day, like everyone else. Uh, right. Uh, a, a little bit worse than, than some, peop- some people. Um, I, I added it up on, you know, zone one was, I think, 120-something rounds, 130-something rounds. I had 15 makeups on there, so I shot over 10% of my rounds were makeups. Wow, uh, mostly on steel, so it was a little, a little rough. Now, why so many makeups on steel? I wish I had uh, just on me. You know, a lot of staring at the dot, not really looking at the target, not giving the mm. steel the respect it deserves. Okay, and, uh, there are a couple of rays. You, you know, you you shoot three steel, you hit them all, and then the fourth one you phone it in. And then just, all right, well, I'm off the steel. Now I got to go back to it and just. Okay. A rough time for me. Now, what dot are you using? A SRO. Okay. That's what I use. Uh, Did you have it? So it's an open emitter dot. Did you have any issues with water in the optic? No issues. Um, I I keep one of the, the go fast, don't suck covers on it. And so at make ready, like I load the gun. And then I take it off. Dot's good. Put it in the holster, and then I'm keeping my forearm over it, um, just while I'm standing there waiting to waiting to go, just to keep it okay. keep the water off. Okay, so you prepared for that. All right, well, that's good. <clears throat> so you started on zone one, just like the super squad. Now, did you shoot? So were you like squad one zero one? I was one zero five. So we started on the the standards. Stage. Okay. Now, is that a preference for you to start on a standard stage, or would you prefer to start on a field course? A 100% a field course. <laughs> Me too. Okay, yeah, good. I was not happy to start there. <laughs> kind of yeah. It, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? The funny thing is, is they make you register and squad yourself, and then they put out the matchbook. It's like, yeah. son of, this should be opposite. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so it rained... Was it already raining? Like, when did it start raining? At about seven thirty, if I remember. Our first, our first bay, we were. Uh, it was bagged, so okay. it, was, it was raining. And then it just. I'm trying. I think we shot two stages without it being bagged, um, but still kind of raining a little bit on one of them. So. All right. So it wasn't the night before. So all that water we saw in the bays was from that day. Yes. Wow. Okay. It may, may have rained a little bit overnight, but I don't 
I was so focused on the stage, I don't think I even paid attention. I just knew it started raining after we, were, we initially walked in in the morning. Okay. So did you check in Thursday afternoon then when you got there, or did you wait till Friday? I did Thursday. Yeah, I went to the range okay. and everything um, Thursday afternoon. Did you take advantage of the uh, practice bay? I didn't on Thursday or Friday. I did Saturday morning, though. That was, that was very nice. Well, Saturday being PM, I had time to kill. So we, we showed up a few hours early. And after having a rough Friday, I wanted to really kind of just remind myself what I need to be doing and kind of reinforce that with a little a little bit of practice. Okay. So did you go, I like that. So you kind of like a warm up and, and recommitting to some things. So did you have like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do these things to prepare for this afternoon. Yep. Yep. Okay. I mean, I, nothing real super specific. You know, they gave us, I had two USPSA targets, threw those up. They had steel on the base, which was really nice. Um, some steel challenge plates. So we set the targets up and then um, had the steel challenge plates and just, hey, we're going to we're going to step in, you know, shoot the steel. You're going to shoot it one for one, move to the right, shoot the paper, guarantee all A's, go to the left, shoot the steel again, guarantee one for one. And just kind of rinse and repeat that for a couple hundred rounds. Nice. With some, so you had some transition, some movement, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it was awesome. They had those bays there because, I mean, you were able to get a decent warm up and kind of do what you wanted in them, which was really nice. Okay. Do you, how much do you think that helped your day two shooting? It calmed my nerves a little bit. Um, it just kind of, I don't know if it helped or really hurt my shooting. I'm still unsure about that, but um, it definitely just calmed my nerves and just reinforced that I, I know what to do and how to execute is just doing that in the match and not, not letting the, the dumb version of myself come out when the timer goes off. So it had a positive psychological effect. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <clears throat> now, so day two, how did you, how do you rate your day two shooting? It was better, a lot better. Um, had some good stages, you know, nothing, no real bad mistakes, you know, a few makeups on steel, but nothing, Nothing crazy, nothing near as bad as I had on day one. So it was probably the the second of the best days that I had at the match. So not ten percent makeups. No, not not near it. I think I only had two <laughs> all day, so it wasn't crazy. Oh wow. Okay. Um, be with it. So at the end of day two, when when you leave the range, what's going through your mind? Just to do the same thing again on Friday. Did you dry fire it all that night or no? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, about, you know, 10 minutes or so, and that was it. Right. Just, I, we had the 27-yard the um, standards kind of Virginia count stage, so did some strong hand only just to reinforce it. Um, but that was not, not, not a whole lot, not more than 10 minutes. Okay. Now, did you – do you take the um, – stick on targets like the travel targets and put them up i have some of the cardboard ones the some mini okay. i have the the like 50 percent classic targets and then i bought like the dry fire kit from the ben steger pro shop so i usually use that okay all right <clears throat> i i 
I do the same thing. And I, I like to just like you do, like, I think the longest session I've done it at nationals is maybe 30 minutes, yeah. um, at night, but it's typically, okay. I need to just get the feel of this down again for yeah, exactly. Just reinforce, you know, not pushing speed, not doing anything crazy. I'm just, you know, getting the gun out of the holster relatively quick getting a perfect grip every time reloading the gun without completely falling apart and dropping my mags everywhere. So just to reinforce the things and calm down nerves a little bit. Now, what did you think of day three and your shooting? Did pretty good on day three. Um, I, I liked the stages the best on day three. Um, I don't know, you know, I think percentage wise, maybe I was like 5% better on day three, no, but you know, no, no crazy mistakes, nothing, a few makeups on steel again, but you know, nothing, nothing really noteworthy, uh, complete fall aparts, but nothing super great either. Just a few, I think I shot two stages that were 90% and then the rest of them kind of eighties, like 170, but nothing super crazy. Okay. Now they had a couple of short, quick stages, like 12 round stages. And then they had the three big field courses at the end, uh, 19, 20 and 21. How did you like those? And how did you do with those? Um, did all right with them. I started, I was actually the first shooter in the morning on the stage 20, the three. Stage. So that was an interesting one to start on. Um, but I enjoyed them all. I mean, the really zone two and three, I, I love the stages. They were, they were pretty good. Some of them kind of were iffy, but for the most part, I enjoy the field courses like that. And so is that your preference then field course over the, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, so when you walked off the range, shook all the ROs hands at the end of the day, how did you feel about your shooting overall? Overall, pretty disappointed uh, just because day one, like digging a hole on day one. Um, but then, you know, I think in the, the PM, once they finished up, I was pretty happy um, to still be able to pull off 25th, just especially just having a, a terrible first day um, and still being able to crawl back. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, and 25th with all of the people that were there is, is impressive. Yeah, some serious so. heat, and it's it seems like it's only getting getting hotter and hotter in CO. There's just more and more people <laughs> getting hotter. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm hoping that now that Carry Optics Nationals is always going to be held at such a time that you can get all those people there every year because – it just makes for very intense competition. Oh, yeah. And it's great. I mean, that's what you want to see. At Nationals, you want to see the best of the best. So it's, it's awesome that they're doing that. Completely agree. And, I mean, to Aaron Eddins is the reigning um, open national champion, and he was 15th. Mm -hmm. You know, he's no slouch. He knows oh, what yeah. he's doing. So it's a... It's amazing to me the, the, yeah, just the amount of heat is nuts. Very impressive. There's a lot of guys on that list that are very good shooters. You can find down the list of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was almost like talking with some of the other guys, it was like who, who messed up the least on, on their bad day had the better performance, you know? Yeah, I agree. So how, let me think, I'm not even sure how, how I want to phrase the question. 
Um, on a zero to 10 scale, how much of this match was just mental? For me, 10. Okay. Yeah, just, especially day one, like it was just a lot of mental errors. Like, you know, yeah, the shots are hard, but they're hard for everyone. You know, the positions are awkward. It's awkward for everyone. Um, just mentally not being able to execute it properly. Okay. Shooting difficulty for the match, zero to 10. Like a, a six or a seven. This was honestly a, a much more challenging match than uh, last year's and than I anticipated. I think really, I don't know how, but talking to other people that were, that were shooting the match, everyone was kind of preparing for uh, a little bit faster, more hoser type stuff. Um, but this was not that at all. I don't think there was some, some very challenging tight shooting. Now, when you say very challenging, tight shooting, what do you mean by tight? Are we talking hardcover? Are we talking leans? What, what do you mean by tight? Uh, like positions, you had some, you know, you got to be in the exact right spot to get the target. Um, you know, you, you run to a position, you're a half a step too far, then you end up leaning back to get it. You're a half a step too far the other way. You're doing the same thing. Um, so there was a lot of that. Okay. It's funny you say that, Randall, because I've got a question for you on one of the videos you posted. Mm -hmm. uh, you posted it yesterday. It's stage 16. And you run to the right, and then you run back to the middle. And I had a question, because when you run to the middle, you don't look like you're looking down. Like, I don't see you looking down to see where you're going to stop. Yeah. But, but you also don't shift when you stop. Like, you stopped where you wanted to stop. How did you figure out, or not how did you figure out where you want to stop? I mean, you knew that in your walkthrough. But what were you using for a visual clue to say right here is where I need to be. Yep. On, on that one, I looked to, there was a break in the fault line where the two fault lines were hammered uh -huh. down. So I looked at that and I was like, okay, if I'm a half a step past that, that's where I want to be. Um, and I ended up okay. being out of position a little bit anyway. I had to do a lean <laughs> hit a target, but. Oh, um, uh, okay. Were you, you also, when you were moving into that position, you were reloading. So mm -hmm. was that when you were watching your positioning or? Yeah, I mean, I, coming in, you know, I look to the position, and then I'm jamming my mag um, into the gun after that, and then it's just you're trusting your your spatial awareness to go where you're looking. Okay, all right. <clears throat> well, you did well on that steal. That was day three, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's one for one. No makeups. Yeah. So what you said you only had a couple of makeups on day two. How many makeups did you have on day three? Do you know? Uh. I know I had two on paper and then I think three on steel on stage 21. I came in on activator a little hot kind of miss, 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 miss. All right. Aim hit it. All right, cool. Um, but it was still a pretty good stage run. It wasn't anything too crazy. I think I still hit like 81% on it or something. So it okay. wasn't too bad stage and completely fall apart. Stage 21. Was that like the U-turn one where you had to go back and around? Yep. Yeah. You started okay. up the left and you have to finish yeah front right it looked like that bobber was pretty easy from the forward position after you came around yeah it was it was almost right in the middle so it was up to you which way you wanted to take it you know it wasn't any more challenging from one place or the other everybody was doing what i suspected they just wait till they got around 
since you had to go to that position anyway. Yeah, exactly. So. It was kind of a gamble whether you activated at the beginning or activated at the end. I chose to activate at the end, and I don't think it, it really made a difference. I saw some people, they activated off the, off the draw or after shooting the tucks, and uh, it was just when they happened to come into the position, it was right there. They whacked it. Other people, they came into position as it was disappearing. They had to wait on it, so it was kind of a, a chance whether uh. you or not so i chose to activate it there at the end so i could guarantee it okay so was it a pretty quick activation then like once you hit the steel did it pop up pretty quick uh you had time to take a paper um between activating mm. what i ended up doing activating shooting an open target and then hitting the bobber um, which was pretty easily doable okay well that explains then why you activated it the way you did so you didn't have any dead time yeah uh, okay all right See, it's the it's these little idiosyncrasies when you don't shoot the match that you don't know, yeah. you know. So okay, that makes a lot of sense. So what does your make ready look like? I don't do, you know, like I don't do any of the visualization or anything. I just load the gun. If the lighting's weird, I look left, I look right. All right, my dot's good, and then that's it. So literally, when, when when they tell you to make ready, you just make sure your dot's good and you're ready. Yeah, that's it. I don't even. I mean, I don't even draw the gun like I normally would. I just pull it out slowly and load it. And that's it. Kind of. I've tried doing the other stuff. For me, I don't think it makes a difference one way or the other whether you sit there and visualize it and do whatever. Like I try to do all that stuff before I come to the line, so I'm not wasting a whole bunch of time. Okay. Then I'm. I'm that's very interesting. So when you, after your four minutes is done walking the stage and you're waiting to shoot, how many times are you visualizing it then? As many times as I can, um, especially as it gets closer. You know, once I'm, you know, I'll keep pasting, but then once I'm in the hole, pretty much, I'll, I'll skip pasting. And then from then on, it's just sitting there burning it in my head so that I'm just, I have it down 100%. Okay, so the guy in front of you, you're you're on deck. The guy in front of you just finished shooting. He's left to go check his targets. Are you walking, rewalking yep, the stage? Walk up, get, a, get a last walkthrough. Um, you know, I've, I've already got locked in the head, so I'm just doing like a point of view walkthrough to make sure I'm air gunning everything to make sure it all looks right. I'm getting to the right positions and everything looks good. If it goes well, it's just a one quick walkthrough. If if I need another and they're still resetting, then then I'll get another one in real quick. But that's about okay. it. So you just do all of your work before, and then as soon as he says make ready, you literally make ready and tell him ready. Now we're gonna go. We're gonna go back in time. We're gonna do some time traveling. Okay. At what point before Carry Optics Nationals did you ramp up training, or did you at all? Oh, 100% ramped it up. Um, back, I actually got stuck. Um, I had to go to a school in March, so I had to take about six weeks off. And then when I got home in, in, uh, the end of April, that was kind of my signal. Like, Hey, I'm about seven weeks out. Like now's the time to start ramping it up. Um, you know, so shooting, you know, twice a week basically. And as the weeks went on ramping. So when, when, when we were last talking, you said you definitely ramped up and it was about seven weeks out yep. and then I didn't get the rest of it. Yep. So about seven weeks out, um, I started out shooting twice a week 
and then just started pushing it up every week, you know, to three times a week, four times a week. And then here these last couple of weeks have been five to six days a week. Uh, I did get an opportunity to look at one of your training videos and man, that was a huge bay at that range. Oh yeah. I'm so fortunate. Like they have an awesome setup. You get a whole bait like that to yourself. Um, and I, I have a swinger, a bobber, a couple poppers that I've invested in. Um, so I lug those out there and then just can pretty much do whatever I want. Are you going to have to lug those to Colorado or will? Can yeah, you... I'll, I'll lug them with me and then I'll try to fire range there. I got, I know there's one club in town. I'll, I'll try to get in with them. But yeah, kind of, it's kind of an awesome place set up really new, unique that, uh, there's not many places like that where you can just basically do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I go to my range. I can't, I can draw, but I can't shoot faster than one round a second and I can't move and shoot. Yeah. And I mean, so, that's pretty common across the country, you know? Yeah. Most guys really matches the only time they get to practice. Yeah. So doubles, they're okay with doubles, but, and the problem is they've had people go there and just start shooting as fast as they can and end up spraying bullets over the berms and stuff. So yeah, all over the place. I, so. Yeah. I wish there was like a, like a qualification system we can go and, and show our competency and okay, you're, you are this level, so you can do this. Yeah. You know? So yeah, then, then you start to get, Oh, I saw him do it. I'm good to do it. And you know, right. Exactly. If it's not a private club, you're kind of limited. And, and where I am is a private club and those are the private wow. members doing that stuff. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Crazy. So it, it really doesn't help. Um, now, so what does the rest of the shooting year look like for you? Uh, so as far as majors, I'll, I'll have Ipsic nationals in, uh, November down in Florida. That'll probably be the only major I might do, um, uh, there's a major in Colorado. It's something, I forget the name of it, but there's a major uh, coming up in September. I'll probably do in Colorado when I get there. Uh, but that's really it, those two for the rest of the year. And you're pretty much assured that your training schedule is going to work out for those two? Yeah, yeah, about 90%. Um, okay. So that should be good. Assuming the world decides not to blow up into World War Three. Assuming, assuming, yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. You know, I say that jokingly, but again, I had Mike on yesterday and he grew up in Russia. Mm -hmm. He joined, I don't know if you know Mike Shadilov's history. I don't. Okay. So he grew up in Russia, came to the United States. I want to say he was about 18 ish, joined the army, ended up being a translator for an army general when they went over to Russia. Okay. Um, that's cool. So he follows a lot of news and other stuff um, yeah. in Russian and, and other sources. So I was asking him about all the stuff going on over the weekend. And one of the interesting things he said was he feels like Russia's literally on the verge of collapse. Yeah. So that would obviously, um, that could lead to other greater issues. Oh, yeah. So. So we'll have to wait and see. So Ipsic Nationals, is that, are you looking to shoot world shoot? I am. I am. After Nationals this year, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of heat. I don't know. I don't know if I could potentially earn a spot on the team, um, but I'd like to. 
Well, I mean, some of those, though, are not going to be carry optics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at them, we mentioned two of them, Siler, Christian Siler and Aaron Eddins are both probably going to be trying to, you know, they're going to be, quote unquote, pun intended shooting for Nash or for open. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Mason is going to be trying for yeah, he'll, carry he'll probably out. be going production. Um, right. So I think Nils will. Jacob, maybe not. You know what I mean? So there's there's some heat there that is going to vacate for world shoot. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think your odds, your chances go up. Yeah, and even you know, even if you don't, then they just go down the list. What's to say that, you know, guys that make it won't be able to attend the match, and then, yeah, you know, so, absolutely, that's how uh, June Kim went. There were because of the delays and everything. You know, people are like, "Man, I'm not going anymore," and yeah, and so he asked and got to go. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, heck of a an experience. Oh, and yeah. the next one's in South Africa. South so. Africa. Yeah. All right, so here's a. You're gonna have to get your uh, passport. I I already have my passport, but uh, okay, that's not an issue. Not not super worried about that. Well, and the only reason I ask is, look, normally, all of my international travel was done with a green card, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. So I didn't need a passport. Yeah. You being in the military, obviously, you have a government passport but you don't have you i don't think you'd be able to use that to travel to south no, africa no yeah. I'd, I'd use my personal so okay um now have you have you done much ipsic style shooting i, I shot ipsic nationals last year um and then i shot the extreme pan-american match in january so just the two Ipsic matches, and I enjoy them a lot. I enjoy that style of stage more and the, the limited walkthrough. So the, the simplicity of the stage, just you're really just at test and execution. So I really enjoy that style of match. Okay. Do you think um, the I'm, – I'm, there's one rule set that really intrigues me, and that's the fact that you can't run outside of the shooting boundaries – um, do you think that negates or gives a clear advantage for people or does it matter? I don't, I don't think it matters. I mean, every, everyone is on the same playing field. Everyone has to abide by the rules. So, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, there's really no clear advantage from it. I mean, even at, at, uh, CO Nats, I think I only left the shooting area on the one the three box one. That was the only one I ever left the shooting area for the entire match. So it's not like it's even in USPSA, it's not really an issue. I guess what I'm asking is, do you think it benefits the more athletically gifted people who might be able to run that quicker? No, because everyone has their own style. Like okay. JJ has his style. Other you know, shooters have their own style. And I, I think you just play to your strengths. That's it. Okay. So do you have a separate sec, uh, like a second setup just for Ipsic matches, or do you just take what you have and then modify it I, to work? I took what I had when I shot Ipsic Nationals last year, and that's all I've been shooting it. So I just moved the gun back a little bit, and then 
I used to run a magazine in front of the hip bone, but now I just run them behind and it's really not been a, a issue for anything. I don't feel like it's holding me back for anything. So. Okay. All right. You like the, do you like the format, the three, two, one? I do personally. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that, I think, I don't know. I didn't look to see what the ratio was at carry optics nationals, but they did have those four bigger stages in zone yeah, they, three. Yeah. They were pretty much all over there. And then you had the, the two, the two speed shoots, or I guess the short courses, you had the, the two short courses and then the two speed shoots that were both, that were both doubled up. So. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Now, what are your military goals? That, I mean, do 20. That's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest goal. Just make it to retirement if I can. So that's really it for, uh, you know, nothing real crazy in the military. I've kind of got, you know, gotten pretty far so far. So just keep riding the train and that's it. So the Marine Corps, their senior enlisted position is Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. What is what does the Army have? They have Sergeant Major of the Army. Okay. No no desire. Not in the least bit. Yeah, know. me. I wouldn't have either. So yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a mostly a political position anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. When, once you get to a certain point, it's all just political. So. I'm not really not really a fan of any of that. I hear you. All right. Well, Randall, that's what I have for today. Um, was there anything we touched on you wanted to go into more detail or? No, that's it. I really appreciate you having me on. This was a good conversation. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I always enjoy talking to military guys too because we, yeah. we, we can talk on a different level about certain things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And good luck later with the uh, Ipsic Nationals. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>